Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. I would like for you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. As I said to you last week, we are beginning a series this morning. And the name of that series, the guys will put it up on the screen, is God's Will Is. God's Will Is. There is oftentimes a lot of question in the minds of people regarding what the will of God is. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you were not sure what God's will is? I think probably if we were to do a show of hands, every single person would lift up their hand and say, yeah, there's been a time or many times in my life where I didn't know what God's will was. Um, it's, a, it's a place that I would say the devil wants to keep you in for as long as possible, being ignorant of what God's will is for your life. As a matter of fact, I think that's one of the devil's greatest desires and greatest plans for your life is to keep you ignorant of God's plans for your life. We say, you know, God has a plan for our life. Well, the devil has one too. And his plan for your life is to keep you ignorant of God's plan for your life, right? That's the way he does things, okay? So I've had it in my heart now for several months to begin a series where we study and we get into what the will of God is for our lives. So what I want is I just ask for your attention. I ask for um, that, that you would press into this with me. This is a big subject, but I think we're going to be able to do it justice because I trust in the Spirit of God to speak to you uh, and, and to me uh, as we go through this. But we're going to talk about what God's will is, and I'd like for you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. And while you're turning there, if you're not there already, we'll make our confession of faith together that we like to make. Amen. You can see it up on the screen. Those who haven't memorized this yet, we do this every single Sunday, so I'm sure a lot of you know this by heart. But let's read it out loud together today. Ready? Read. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you. My heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. We believe that you're growing in the things of God this morning. We believe it's going to be an awesome time. Amen? Let's bow our heads in just a moment of prayer before we read the scripture. Lord, I ask you today that you would speak through my lips. Lord, that you would think through my mind, Father, that you would use me as a vessel to deliver the thoughts and the intentions of your word. God, I pray that each one of us would have ears to hear today, that we would go from this place with revelation in our hearts. Speak to us, God. Teach us from your word that we might grow, that we might live in the promises that you have for us. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Proverbs chapter 3 we're going to begin reading in verse 5, although verse 6 is the target verse we want to get to. Uh, if you grew up in church like I did, you know this verse by heart. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, and it reads, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Or paths, excuse me. For this series, we're going to be focusing on that verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. We're going to drill down into what that verse says as it really provides us some insight into understanding God's will for our lives. It's probably the greatest prayer request that I ever receive as a pastor. It's probably the most common prayer request that all of my pastor friends receive. In fact, anybody that I know that's been in ministry could tell you unequivocally that the greatest prayer request that they hear in their life from people is for direction. It's not for healing, it's not for a better marriage, it's not for, you know, whatever, better job. Those, those are all important prayer requests, and we hear those prayer requests all the time. But the one that trumps all of them in frequency is, Pastor, I don't know what decision to make. I don't know which direction to go. I need help determining what God's will is for my life. I need direction. We hear that so frequently. And I believe that the Bible gives us very clear instruction, and I believe that if we're willing to, to inquire of the Lord and find out what God has said in his word, then we'll find out exactly which direction we're supposed to go. Because God, contrary to popular belief, God is not mean, and he likes you. He doesn't just love you, he likes you. Amen. Did you ever love somebody that you didn't like? Come on, somebody. How many of you grew up with siblings? Yeah, I love you because I have to, but I don't like you right now. We all been there, right? I mean, you have those experiences. Well, listen, God actually loves you and he likes you. And the reality is he's not holding anything back from you. In fact, he wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. It's really true. He wants you to know his will far more than you and I desire it. He has, the, he's, you know, we'll get to Jeremiah 29, 11 at some point in this series, but he's the one that has the good plans and the good thoughts towards you. Their plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. That was Jesus's idea. That was God's idea. When people, people sometimes, religious folks, get bent out of shape when you quote Jeremiah 29, 11. They say, oh, that's not written to you. That's not written to the church. That was written to the children of Israel. Well, first of all, the whole Bible's written to everybody. Okay. Second of all, it was God's idea for him to have good plans for your life. Don't get bent out of shape when Jesus says he wants to take care of you. Just receive it. Yeah. Amen. Just say yes. This is just a good piece of advice. When God wants to do something for you, let him do it. Yeah. When God wants to show you his will for, for your life, let him do it. Be receptive. Amen. So we want to talk about the will of God and what it means in our lives. Now, before we dive deep, into the subject, and we're going to take weeks to talk about this subject because you can't, you really can't do it in one session, okay? So we're going to spend some time on this. <clears throat> but before we dive deep, there are two things that we want to remove from our thinking when it comes to God's will. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these things down, and I want you to take time this week to think about them, meditate on them, go back over this stuff. Two things that we want to remove from our thinking when it comes to God's will. Number one is fear. And number two is mystery. Number one is fear. 
Number two is mystery. Let's talk for a moment about fear. Uh, how, many, how many parents do we have in the room? Just give me a show of hands. All right, a good handful of you. How many times, parents, have you tried so hard to get your kids to do something that you knew was going to be good for them and fun and enjoyable for them, but for some reason, they would not trust you enough to do it? Come on, honey, come down the slide. Daddy's going to catch you. Sweetie, I'm right here. Come on. Come on, jump, jump, and daddy's going to catch you. Sweetheart, that broccoli is good for you. <laughs> Amen. I just, just take a little bite. My, we were just talking, we were just laughing about this the other night. Our daughter, Sophia, the youngest one, is probably the pickiest eater out of all three of our kids. And right now, she loves to eat chicken and french fries from Chick-fil-A. She will not eat chicken or any other potato product apart from nuggets and fries. So the other night, we're, we're having dinner, and I had made like some roast chicken or something and some nice roast potatoes, and it was delicious. And the other kids are gobbling it up, and oh, it's so good. And she's like, mm-mm. I said, honey, this is fries. And she said, nah. It was the wrong shape. It's the wrong color. I said, it's the same thing. It's a potato. Sometimes... Sometimes you, you're trying so desperately to get your kids to focus on something or to, to take part in something that you know is going to be good for them. You know they're going to love sliding down the slide. But for some reason, they just won't do it. They won't let go. That's why the scripture in verse 5, before we even get to verse 6, that's why Solomon says, trust the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. So you think God's will for you is going to be bad for you. But God's will for you is actually the best possible place you could ever be. You think the slide's going to be scary, but God knows the slide's going to be fun. So trust the Lord with all your heart and follow him where he leads you. Amen? That's what he wants for us. He has good plans for us, not plans to harm us, but plans to give us a hope and to give us a future. I'm already getting to Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm getting ahead of myself. But it's true. Let's trust in the Lord with all our heart. Let's, let's slide down the slide. He knows it's going to be good for us. When I, was, um, when I was a kid, my sister and I and my family, we lived in New York, and we used to go to Six Flags at Darien Lake. And there was a roller coaster that we would go on called the Viper. And did you go on the Viper as a kid? Isn't that awesome? So when we were kids, we were just tall enough to ride the rides, and my, I had already been initiated. I had gone on this ride. It was great. And it was the first time I'd ever been on a roller coaster and went upside down. And my sister was petrified to go on this ride, my sister Laura. And she, you know, she squirmed and she, she kicked and she was like, I don't know if I want to do this. She got in line. She said, yeah, I'm going to try it. And then we get in the seat and they clamp the thing down on you and it's go time and it's past the point of no return, you know, and, and she's inching up to the top and she's sitting next to my dad squirming in her seat like, I don't want to do this, daddy. I don't want to do this. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. And of course, you get to the top, and you, you go down, and you flip, and you do this, all this stuff. She gets to the end of the ride. She was laughing and screaming and having a blast the whole ride. Got to the end, turned to my dad and said, let's do that again. 
Let's do that again, Daddy. Here's my question to you. Why are we so afraid of missing the will of God in our lives? Why are we so afraid of missing God's will? It's like we're afraid to follow him in his will, and yet at the same time we're afraid to miss his will. Why? You see, if we're going to really understand what God's will for our lives is, the first element we need to remove from the scenario is fear. Because you can't follow God in faith and be in fear at the same time. One of those two's got to overcome the other. Either we're going to be people that walk by faith or we're going to be people that don't walk and sit paralyzed by fear. Amen. Why are we so afraid of missing God's will for our lives? Our fear, uh, this is what I wrote in my notes, and if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this one down. Our fear of missing the will of God is an indicator of how we actually view God. Let me say that one more time. Our fear of missing the will of God is an indicator of how we actually view God. To be afraid of missing God's will is to have a very shallow, low view of God. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible tells us over and over and over and over again how good God is and how gracious he is. And how he doesn't, he doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us something far better than that. He has mercy and he has grace and he has all these things available to us. And he makes his will very clearly known throughout scripture. And he actually wants to carry us through life on his will. So for us to think that we're somehow going to miss the will of God actually tells me that I have a very low view of God. I actually don't think God is as good as he really is when I'm concerned and terrified about missing his will. I mean, if he's a God who's that good, who's that wise, who's that gracious, who's that kind, how is he going to keep me out of his will? How am I going to just keep missing the will of God? Now, there's a balance to this concept. We're going to talk about obedience, and we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God, and there's some understanding that we'll bring to it. But, but, but first and foremost, get this fear out of your mind that you're somehow going to miss what God's will for you is. Get that out of your thinking. I'm not, you know, you can wake up in the morning every day and be like, you know what, I'm not going to miss God's will. I'm gonna, today, I'm going to hit God's will right on the nose I'm going I'm to hit the target. I'm going to do exactly what he wants me to do because I'm going to listen to his voice and I'm going to be led by him and I'm not even going to ever be afraid of missing his will another day in my life. So the first thing we want to remove from our thinking is fear. The second thing that we need to eliminate is mystery. If you're going to know what the will of God is for your life, you must do away with the notion that the will of God cannot be known. Let's think about that for just a second. If we're going to walk in the will of God, then we must do away with the notion that God's will cannot be known. I'm comfortable with the understanding that I don't know everything that there is to know about God. I'm comfortable with that. I don't know everything there is to know about God. Neither do you. Neither does anybody. Because he's infinite. So I'm comfortable with that understanding that I don't know everything there is to know. But I reject the idea 
that his will for my life is something that I can't know. Notice the difference, okay? I'm comfortable knowing I don't know everything there is to know about God. I don't have all of the answers for everybody's life all the time. I don't know everything that God thinks. But I reject the notion that I can't know what his will for my life is. You see, sometimes in our lives, we use mystery as a crutch. Y'all say amen. That's, that's really good. <laughs> amen. That's really good. See, if I'd have been reading this off the Kindle, that would have, you know, that would have hit you a little better, I guess. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the printed notes. I don't know. I'm going to have to pray about this this week. Now, sometimes we use mystery as a crutch. Well, I don't know. I, I, I can't know everything about God, so I guess I can't know what his will for my life is. No, that's nonsense. Have you ever heard this verse of Scripture and wondered what it meant? You ever heard this verse? The Lord is mis- works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Y'all heard that verse before? Did you know that that's not a verse? That's not a scripture. That was a line from a hymn that was written in 1773 by a man named William Cowper. Not only is this not a scripture, but it was a verse that was written just prior to the author falling into depressive illness from which he attempted to commit suicide by drowning himself. Can I tell you something? The Lord does not work in mysterious ways. Everything in the Bible teaches us that God is a revealer. That God's desire is to reveal himself to you. And I know you maybe don't agree with me on that, but it's really, really true. We were just talking about it in the room back there. We were, I was praying it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Verse 10 says, but the Spirit of God has revealed these things to us. Of course there's mystery in God. Of course there is. Of course God's bigger than your thoughts. But settle this in your heart and settle it in your mind. God is not holding anything back from you. Whatever is mysterious to us about God at this moment is something that he wants to personally reveal to us as we walk with him. He's in the revelation business. That's the job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal who Jesus is to us. So if there's some mystery in your life, I understand it. Hold it up before the Lord and ask him to reveal it to you. Because he's not holding anything back. He's not grudging. He's not stingy. He's not El Chipo. He's El Shaddai. He's the God of more than enough. He's the abundant supplier. He wants you to know his will. So if there's something in his will that's mysterious to you, don't chalk it up as the unknowable, mystery, mysterious God. Go to him and say, Father, here's something I don't understand. Will you help me? Will you reveal to me your heart? Don't use mystery as a crutch to avoid personal responsibility and prayer and relationship with God. Oftentimes... Oftentimes, we use the fact that God is bigger than our understanding in a negative way. I really want you to get this. Oftentimes, we use the fact that God is bigger than our our understanding. We use that in a negative way. Instead of realizing that his goodness is so big that I'll never know the end of it, 
We say that his goodness is so big that I'll never know the beginning of it. Let me say that to you one more time. Instead of realizing that his goodness is so big that I'll never know the end of it, we say that his goodness is so big that I'll never know the beginning of it. He's so large, I could never know him. No, you just never know the end of him. Matter of fact, we're going to take all eternity to get to know him. I'm comfortable with mystery. I'm comfortable knowing that I don't have to know everything about God to to know what his will is for my life. Don't use mystery as a crutch. God's will is more accessible than you think. God's will is more accessible than you think. I believe that it's actually harder for you to miss God's will than it is to be in God's will. I think it actually takes more work to be out of the will of God than it does to be in the will of God. If you're a believer, if you walk with Jesus, if you love God, it's harder for you to get out of his will than it is for you to stay in his will. It takes more determination and work for you to miss God's will than it is for you to stay in his will. There's a man by the name of Steve Wilbur, Brother Wilbur, was a Bible school teacher and a mentor to my dad. And he once told my dad, Randy, he said, if you really want to know the will of God, he'll rub your face in it. (laughs) Isn't that good? So you really want to know the will of God, Randy? He'll rub your face in it, man. I was having a conversation two nights ago with a, a, a dear friend of mine and, and somebody who's becoming a mentor, a real mentor in my life. His name is Pastor Jonathan Del Turco, and he and his wife, Verna, are pastors of a big, giant church up in uh, the Boston area, and you guys will be meeting them before too long. They're such wonderful people, but he and I were having a conversation a couple nights ago, and I was telling him a little bit about the series that we were jumping into, and he said some things to me that I was like, Well, I'm going to quote you on that one. He said when he first got into the ministry, he's he's like me, he's a second generation pastor, and he he was asking his dad 30, 40 years ago when he first got into the ministry, he said, Dad, I I just want to find God's will for my life. Have you ever asked that question. Have you ever had that line of thinking? I just want to find God's will for my life. He, he hadn't started in ministry yet. He had just graduated from Bible college. He, he knew that he was called to pastor at some point in some way, but there was all this perceived confusion. He didn't know what step was the next step to take. And so he says to his dad, I got to find God's will for my life. And his dad looked at him and said, Jonathan, God's will was never lost. You don't have to find something that was never lost to begin with. He said this statement to me, and it was so good that I think I'm going to print it and frame it and hang it in my home. He said that early on in his ministry, God spoke these words to him concerning his will. And he said, God loves me too much to hurt me, and he's too wise to make a mistake with my life. I want that to settle on your heart for a moment. God loves me too much to hurt me, and he's too wise to make a mistake with my life. The Holy Spirit said this to me recently. To the heart who is set on obedience, God's will will always be the most obvious choice. To the person whose heart is set on obedience, to the person who genuinely wants to follow God, 
The will of God will always be the most obvious choice. In other words, you can write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, write this down. In other words, focus on walking with Jesus and do what comes naturally. Focus on walking with Jesus and in that process, do what comes naturally. He is not going to hide his will from the person that is walking closely with him. You see, we make the focus his will. We think of his will in all these kind of goofy terms. And God's like, none of that stuff matters to me. What I really want is for you and I to walk together. I'm not interested in the title that I give you. I'm interested in you, is what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not interested in the career path. I'm not interested in all those things. I mean, those are important, and God will show you which career path to take. But the thing he's really after is you. So the focus of our life needs not to be on all the other stuff, but the focus of our life needs to be on Christ. Let me pursue him, and then let me trust him, and as I trust him, he will lead me. This highlights a huge point for us to understand. We've all heard this phrase, that life is a journey, not a destination. Y'all heard that phrase before? I want to submit to you this morning that the will of God is both a journey and a destination. The will of God for your life is that you walk with him. Because he wants to be there for every step of the journey and he wants to celebrate with you when you get to the destination that he has in store for you. He wants to be involved in the whole process. The will of God is not some one static thing way out in the distance. The will of God is that we walk with him and invite him into the journey and celebrate with him at the destination. Sometimes we think of the will of God the same way we think of choosing a major in college. Should I be a doctor or a lawyer, an astronaut, a senator? Should I be a cook? Should I open my own business? Should I get an MBA? Should I do this? Should I do that? We think of God's will only in terms of these static destinations. But I want us to look at this verse, this Proverbs 3, in a few different translations. And as we do, I think it's going to become very clear. Now, some of these they may be able to put on the screen. If not, you can just listen. This is Proverbs 3, 6 from the Good News Translation. It says, remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. Remember how we read it in the New King James? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. The good news says, remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. The Living Bible says, in everything that you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Wow. In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. The Amplified Bible says, in all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. And he will make your paths straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. Wow. Boy, that's a good one, isn't it? Do we have the Amplified? That's the classic Amplified. I don't know if we have the other Amplified. Anyways, look at the, the, the final one is the New American Standard. This one's probably my favorite. It says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths 
straight. I love that. I absolutely love that. I want to submit to you that the will of God for your life and for every person's life is God making your paths straight. I want to submit to you that that is the will of God for your life. It's not, should I become a lawyer? Should I become a doctor? Should I become this? Should I become that? Should I make this move? Should I make that move? Those questions will arise as you're walking with God, and that's okay that they do. But his will for your life can't be simply contained in a career choice. His will for your life can't be simply contained in some destination way off in the future. His will for your life is him coming alongside of you, walking together, and while you go, he makes your paths straight. Because here's the deal, your path and my path, put that graphic back up on the screen for, for the series. Look at this. You see this thing? This is what my life would look like without God. See, he's got a straight path that he wants to take you on that will take you where he wants you to go. But without him, without his intervention, my path for my life would look like a plate of spaghetti. It would just be, you know, just every direction up, down, and twisted, and mangled. And every time in my life that I've tried to get off the path that God has for me, that's what results. This loop-de-loop scenario where I'm going all kinds of directions at the same time. That's where people fall into traps of anxiety. That's where they fall into traps of of, uh, a lack of peace in their life. That's where things start to fall apart for most folks is when we start to distance ourselves from God and he's not able to make our path straight anymore. Jesus said, come unto me, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm meek and lowly of heart and you will find rest unto your souls. What does he mean when he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me? See, that has to do with his will. That's a will of God, quote unquote, will of God scripture. Come here, honey. Let me demonstrate this. You're going to be Jesus. Yeah. So, so let's walk arm in arm, and I want you to just lead me. I want you to lead me, okay? Now, th- when, it, when it talks about a yoke, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, what is he talking about? Let's just go back and forth. Otherwise, we're going to have to walk around this whole building. He's saying, y- y'all have seen a yoke before? It's something that they put on two oxen or two donkeys or two horses when it comes time to plow a field. And how they would always do it is, and still do it if they use these mechanisms, is they take the older horse and the younger horse. The older horse been plowing for years, knows how to plow, knows how to walk a straight line, knows what to do. And they always pair that horse with a younger horse who's rambunctious, who needs to be trained and needs to learn. And so the yoke is the thing that keeps the two horses or the two oxen together so that the new guy can't run off in some harebrained direction. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What does God want to do in your life? What is the will of God for you in your life? This right here. This is the will of God. That you come alongside of the Spirit of God and when it comes time for you to walk in His ways and you start to try to get off course, what happens? The yoke pulls you right back and makes your path straight. 
Every time I get this idea like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go this crazy direction, I'm gonna get harebrained and scattered, I get pulled right back onto the course that he has for me. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he's the one that will keep your path straight. You don't have to take the burden of the will of God in your life. It's his will. It's his idea. It's his plan. It's what he wants. Your and my goal is to get close to Jesus and let him make your path straight. And every time you want to veer off in some direction, he'll pull you right back where you need to be. That's the will of God. Guys, it's not whether you be a doctor or whether you be a lawyer. Should I call to this? Am I called to that? Those are questions you can answer. Those are questions he'll answer for you. And every time you start to get out of his will, he'll pull you right back. Lord, I want to go in this direction. This seems like a good choice for me. Something keeps drawing me back to where he can make my path straight. Amen? Thank you, darling. Amen? Yeah, praise God. She makes my sermons way more attractive. Amen. Amen. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's his will to direct your path. Put that, put that verse 6 up again in the New King James, if you would. In all your ways... Acknowledge him. Watch this. He shall direct your path. It's not his path. It's your path. Let him call the shots in a life which he has given to you. He's the one that set you on the path. He's the one gave you the ability to walk. Let him be the shot caller in your life. Amen. We were listening to uh, Pastor Larry Stockstill a couple, about a month ago now up in New England. My wife and I were there at a conference, and, and he said these words. This was amazing to me. He said, God doesn't need decision makers. He needs hearers. <sighs> Man, that's so good. God don't need no decision makers. See, we put that kind of stuff on our resume, like, oh, I'm a, we go into a job interview. I'm a decision maker. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, you're going to love Johnny. He's a real decision maker. God don't need no decision makers. He needs somebody that's willing to listen. He needs somebody that's willing to not be offended when they get corrected and get pulled back onto the path that's being made straight for them. God doesn't need influencers. That's a big word right now. Right? In our culture. Oh, well, so and so's got 58,000, you know, follower, YouTube and Instagram followers. He's an influencer. Oh, she's an inf she's a real influencer. She sells, you know, frou frou things on Instagram. I was going to say Arbon, but then I was just afraid somebody in here sells Arbon, so I didn't want to be offensive. Oh, she sells Arbon. She's got 80 gazillion followers. She's an influencer. She's an influencer. Inf what's that? Free sells Arbonne. I'm sorry, Free. I love you. If you want to buy Arbonne, go talk to Free. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. 
so-and-so sells whatever they sell, and they got a gazillion followers. They're an influencer. God does not need more influencers. God needs people that are being willing to be influenced by him. Come on. God doesn't need you to be another influencer. He needs to be able to influence you. That's what, this is how you're going to get to the will of God in your life. It's all about partnering with him and letting him make your path straight. That is the will of God. That's his most concisely, this is the most concise way that I know to say it. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Now listen, there are details that we're going to get into. There are things we can talk about. We'll talk about, matter of fact, next week, where we're going to pick this up next week, is we're going to talk about acknowledging him. We're going to talk about what it means to acknowledge God. Because that's the first step. I mean, what we did today is we cleared out the fear, we cleared out the mystery. We said that even though I don't know everything there is to know about God, I can still know his will for my life. So I'm going to deal with that and get the mystery out of the way. Next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to trust God and I'm not going to be afraid. Not going to be afraid to follow his will and I'm certainly not going to be afraid to miss his will because he's big and he loves me and he's good. He's, he loves me too much to hurt me and he's way too wise to mess up my life. So we got the mystery and the fear out of the way. Now next week we're going to talk about what does it mean to acknowledge him. We'll talk about acknowledging him. We'll talk about the desires of our heart. Do you know the will of God has a lot to do with the desires of your heart? And then thirdly, we'll talk about how to find his will in his word. We're going to talk about finding his will in his word. Will you stand to your feet this morning? We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.